This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I am your host, Ben Kurkowski, and the Packers have moved to 3-3 three and three after a beatdown loss at home after winning the last 15 home games straight in the regular season the Packers lost outright to the Jets in a game they were favored by seven and a half points in on Sunday and I am still sick by the way so uh, I hope you can deal with my cold I'm sorry about that the Packers though they are in serious trouble to the point that there's a real chance the Packers can miss out on the playoffs at this point like realistically if we actually Look at this schedule and the way this Packers team is currently playing. Could we actually win enough games to make the playoffs? Every game is going to be tough. I'll tell you that. Even against the bad teams, week eight against the commanders, it's going to be hard, but I think we can win, move to four and three. I think Wentz is not going to start this game. He just broke his finger. If the commanders uh, play Sam Howell, who I would start if I were them, I'd be scared. He's a rookie quarterback. I really liked coming out of the draft. He has a he's a dual threat quarterback. He can run the ball. He reminds me a lot of Daniel Jones to me. If the commanders committed to an offense like that, I think they could play pretty well. But they are going to start Taylor Heineke, it looks like. So I think the Packers will move to four and three. Week nine, the Packers uh, are playing at the Bills. Automatic loss, four and four. The Lions right now, the Lions have scored so many points this season. Their offense has been lights out. Their defense has been awful, though, at the very same time. And they're about to get Jameson Williams back from injury. My favorite receiver going in the draft. We'll talk about him more later in the draft. But at this moment, I think the Packers probably lose one of these Lions games because I truly believe that Lions offense is just too potent um, to not score at least 30 points in at least one of those games. And I don't think the Packers are going to score 30 points in two games against the Lions. And so we'll say we win this one and we move to five and four. Week 10, we play at the Cowboys. How good that defense is, how well coached that team is. Um, They'll have Dak Prescott back at that point. I think we lose that one five. We move to a record of five and five. Week 11, the Titans, that'll be tough against a team that runs the ball better than anybody. But I'll give the Packers the win here, six, five. Week 12, Eagles, uh, yeah, you're not going to win that game right now, at least. Six and six again. That team is just so good. Uh, so we're, we're sticking to this 500 record back and forth, back and forth. Week 13 against the Bears, we win and we move to seven and six. Week 14, we have a bye. Week 15 versus the Rams, they don't really have any good wins so far this season. The Falcons, I guess you could say, was a decent one for them, but very similar to the Packers right now. Overall, as a team, uh, they are struggling uh, a lot. Um, let's be generous and say the Packers win this game, though. They moved to 8-6. and six. And in the last three games of the year, the Packers play at Miami against the Dolphins. They play against uh, Minnesota at home. And then they play uh, against the Lions. I already said that I truly think the Packers will lose one of the games to the Lions. So that'll make it 8-7. and seven. The Vikings are a much better team right now than the Packers, 8-8. Eight and eight. And can the Packers beat the Dolphins once they get Tua back? Not a chance. That offense is ridiculous. That would mean right now, the way the Packers are playing, you could realistically 
say this team goes eight and nine. You can't make the playoffs with a losing record. It just won't happen. When I went through the playoff predictor, even if I gave the Packers an extra win against the Vikings, they still wouldn't make the playoffs with a record of nine and eight. This is because teams like the Giants and the Falcons have two of the easiest schedules in the NFL this year. And both teams are playing way above expectations. They had uh, the Giants and the Falcons. They had fourth in the division types of records, which made their schedule super easy. And the NFL does this to give them the advantage to have a higher probability of making the playoffs the following year. If the Packers are going to make the playoffs, okay, uh, according to the numbers, they're going to probably have to, they have to win 10 games. And that still is going to make it tight at the end with all the tiebreakers out there. This Packers team, if they want to make the playoffs and even have a chance at the Super Bowl, they got to start winning games and they got to fix this team. But can they? Defensively, this defense, it's, it's better than it seems. And let me explain why. In this game, the Giants were actually held to zero points offensively in the first half if it wasn't for the turnovers. The Packers defense would not have allowed a single point defensively in the first half. The Jets scored after the A.J. Dillon fumble. But just a field goal, they had, uh, and then the Jets had another field goal opportunity after the turnover on downs where the Packers didn't pick up the fourth down in the middle of the field. Honestly, the Packers defense played a perfect half. It was insane. Zach Wilson had the worst game of the season, and the Packers caused that. He had a 38.0 passing grade. The Packers did a great job at getting pressure on Wilson throughout the game. He was pressured over 40% of the time, which is super good. And our defense committed to playing in a less predictable way. They blitzed. Uh, almost every other passing snap, which made our defense hard to adjust to. The Packers sent some combination of Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, Quay Walker, and Devondre Campbell. And I think that's a great move by the Packers to mix it up in that way defensively. Jair Alexander was a shutdown corner in this game. Garrett Wilson couldn't see the light of day. Darnell Savage was used better in this game. He was asked to play more man coverage, move around in the box and the slot back deep. So that was great to see the Packers use Savage in a, a better way for him. Now, they also didn't do some things we talked about they needed to do. The Packers had to play a lot more true base personnel in this game to stop the run in the second half. So Russell was only on the field for about 65% of snaps. But when he was in the game, he only took 22% of those snaps on the field on the outside. Well, that means Jair was outside on those snaps 78% of the time. That's a misuse of Russell. Okay, Jair can thrive in either situation. Rasul can't, and we need to have him working on the outside when he's in the game. Now, our pass rush was not the issue in this game. This was a game the Packers were just... Okay, our defensive line played great. We got pressure on... uh, Who the heck's their quarterback? Zach Wilson in this game a ton. Um, The problem with our defense in this game is they obviously played just awful defense stopping the run, especially in the tackling department. The Packers team... This Packers team, I didn't think could get worse at stopping the run than they did a few years ago, and then they did. Here's a huge issue for the Packers. The Packers on the season are giving up almost five yards per carry. In this game against the Jets, the Jets averaged on true running plays 6.4 yards per carry in this game. There was a point in on the very last drive on defense. The Packers were down 24-10, to 10, and the Jets obviously are going to run the ball. The Packers defense allowed them to drive the entire length of the field take six minutes and 40 seconds off the clock just running the football and we knew exactly what they were going to do and we still couldn't stop them it's just not okay that you can have a run defense this bad there isn't one player in our starting front seven that has a run defense grade above 70 actually not even in our roster is there a player who's even playing solid run defense for the packers on top of that there's only one starter on our entire defense that has a tackling grade above 70 70 and that's quay walker 
this defense not only sucks at stopping the run, but they can't even tackle to make up for it. It's it's ridiculous. In the Packers front office, Brian Gutekunst took our most precious commodities of first round picks and he spent them on stopping the run. A terrible place to put your investment, first of all, because stopping the run is the least important thing you probably need to do in football. Uh, so terrible choice in the first place on using your investments. But then forget that, that it was a terrible choice. The people he chose were are awful. They have been zero part of the solution so far this year. He drafted an inside linebacker, an interior defense lineman in the first round, and they have played, they've been zero help in a run defense. Quay Walker has a 28.9 run defense grade this season. Some guy I never heard of for the Texans is the only linebacker playing worse than him in the entire NFL. Quay Walker has come into the NFL, has been the worst linebacker in the league, basically. And I get it. When he only started one year in college, um, you knew his chance, uh, <laughs> you knew him coming into the NFL and playing at a high level right away was unlikely. The reason you draft him probably was to develop him into something special. But the Packers, knowing this, still could have went out and signed a linebacker in case Kwai Walker wasn't ready to start, which he obviously isn't. And the Packers could have signed Quan Alexander, an athletic freak in late July, if they weren't confident in Kwai Walker being ready for uh, just $1 million. He's been solid for the Jets, a 70.8 run defense grade of the season. Even Jalen Smith for $1 million. This guy has been just as good of a tackler and better in every other facet of the game, and he wasn't signed until September 19th by the Giants. Two cheap, veteran-savvy options that could do exactly what Quay Walker is doing, but without having to spend a first-round pick on the guy. Devontae Wyatt, then on the other hand, can't even see the field, which says a lot about how good he would be out there. We saw how bad he was in the preseason. He's just not there. And sadly, there really wasn't many options out there on the free agent market when it came to interior defensive linemen that really made much sense. The only real option would have been drafting my favorite interior defense lineman in the draft, and that was Travis Jones out of Connecticut. A whole year, he was a whole year and a half younger than Wyatt, so still probably had a lot more development left in him, especially being from a smaller school, could help our defense out in the part that we struggle in the most, and that's stopping the run. He's actually playing over in Baltimore, which I would have loved for him to be playing here in Green Bay. It would allow Kenny Clark to play three-tech full-time. We'd have Travis Jones, TJ Slayton switching back and forth in their snap counts to keep them both fresh. But still, Travis Jones would have been an easy upgrade over Slayton too. Slayton has a run defense grade of 47.5, while Travis Jones has a grade of 63.2. And then there's a huge gap in the tackling as well. TJ Slayton has a 22.8 tackling grade, one of the worst in football. And... Travis Jones has a 71.7 grade. So Brian Gutekinds made it a priority to stop the run this offseason through the draft. Drafting two guys who expected to come in, change this entire defense. Both have been literally zero help whatsoever. We could have been better off drafting Travis Jones in the third round, signing Jalen Smith and Quan Alexander, and letting them fight it out as the other backer next to Devondre Campbell. And you know what we could have used those two first-round picks on? An actual player to help this offense. I was begging begging the Packers to trade up for Jameson Williams, a guy who I believe will be the best deep threat in the NFL. He's small, but he's not short. He's six foot two, blazing speed, got open more than anyone else in college football last season. Taller than, He's basically a taller Deshaun Jackson, uh, basically just as fast, but also horizontally as fast as well. He's not ready yet to play, but he will be soon. And he's just 21 and a half years old. He's young. He's younger actually than Christian Watson even is. And Christian Watson coming in the draft we knew had injury issues of his own nagging soft tissue injuries throughout college and yet we still pulled the trigger on him i would have loved to trade picks 22 and 53 
to move up to pick 12 in this draft to get Jameson Williams. Then still had pick 28 and 58 to fill in some other spots on this roster. Heck, you you still could have picked an edge rusher of the future and George Karloftis. Drafted Drake Jackson, a true speed edge rusher, a perfect pairing together. Karloftis is the edge on first and second down. On obvious passing downs, Karloftis could move inside. Drake Jackson could be our bendy speed edge rusher. We could have traded up and gotten Travis Jones, the interior defensive lineman we needed in the third round, and still drafted your guy you loved in Romeo Dobbs, Brian Gutekunst. I don't know. Basically, the decision Brian Gutekunst made was basically, hey, the same value I can get for either Jameson Williams or Christian Watson. And the thing is, he took the deal for Christian Watson. He didn't take the deal for Jameson Williams, and really that's the same thing because we traded both of our second round picks to move up to pick 34 to draft Christian Watson. Could have just traded a first and a second to move up to get a guy like Jameson Williams, who is nine times out of 10 going to be a much, much, much better player. We should have filled in our gaps at linebacker and free agency. We could have drafted a better, more valuable position with edge rushers like Carl Loftus and Jackson. You could have even drafted George Pickens to another great option at receiver. Unless you were certain you only wanted to draft two receivers, then you would have had Dobbs and Jameson Williams, which would be fine. There were some huge mistakes when deciding where to invest our draft capital this offseason, and it's coming to bite us in the butt right now. Think about this even. Preston Smith is out there. He has a 69.9 overall PFF grade this season at around $13 million a year. And there's guys out there that I loved, like Melvin Ingram, playing almost as well as him, but for only $4 million a year. That's $9 million more you could be working with right now. And maybe with $9 million more taking on a contract for a player like DJ Moore to have a number one receiver wouldn't be that big of a deal. And just thinking about the timeline, the Packers could be in the same spot as they are right now, being 3-3, three and three, probably, um, without some of those players. But... Jameson Williams would be back in a game or two. Jameson Williams is expected to return from injury in the next few weeks for the Lions. And I can guarantee you he will be playing in week nine against the Packers probably. And we're going to see what he is fully capable of. And I'm excited because I love Jameson Williams coming out of the draft, but I'm nervous for the Packers sake. And so, yeah, I'm a little upset. Roster building the off season is probably... It's one, it's, it's one of the most important things, and it's something we can clearly see what's happening and how these moves affect the rest of our roster. And right now, I'm questioning a lot of the moves Brian Gutekind's made. He had all these extra moves. He had the extra first. He had the extra second. He had money to move around and see where he was going to invest all that money. And I'm, I'm questioning a lot of the moves he made right now because right now we're 3-3. Three and three. We lost to a a Jets team. We lost to a Giants team. We almost lost to a Patriots team. It's it's not looking good for the Packers right now. And we kind of already transitioned into talking about the offense a little bit with talking about uh, Jameson Williams instead of Christian Watson. But uh, can this Packers offense be fixed? Right now, this offense is 24th in the league in points per game. 24th in EPA per play on offense. And it really stems from a lot of issues. One of them is our offensive line. Now, this is one issue that I think can get fixed. The Packers got killed on stunts like several times in this game. And it was consistently attacking one player. And that player was Royce Newman. Newman has zero awareness for what pass rushes are trying to do in the NFL. It's like he's never watched tape in his life or just a game of football. The Packers actually tried to take him out of this game 
at the start of the second half, but then his replacement, Jake Hansen, got hurt a couple plays later, and then they sent him back in. In this game, Newman gave up five pressures all by himself. The combination of this, plus Elkin Jenkins not looking agile enough to play right tackle at this point, his recovery from, like, he's healthy enough to play, but he's not himself. I think that makes an easy decision for the Packers to move Josh Neisman to play right tackle and Elkin Jenkins to right guard and Royce Newman off the field. Okay? Josh Neisman has stated he is less comfortable at right tackle than left tackle, even though he played right tackle in college. I get that. But Josh Neisman being a slightly uncomfortable has got to be better than Royce Newman at right guard. And if there's any chance Elkin Jenkins can be more like his Pro Bowl self when he is not taking on really good edge rushers, I think you have to take that chance. Okay. I think this could help out our offense drastically. And the Packers are about to face another team with some insane interior defensive lineman talent. So we cannot have Newman in there on the interior, giving up pressure again to Rodgers. Rodgers was pressured on 33% of his snaps in this game. And that's still just too high. It's got to change because right now Rodgers is playing like he's going to get pressured on a lot of snaps because he's so worried about what's happening in front of him. If Rodgers is going to start to look like himself again, He's got to be able to trust his offensive line in front of them, and he can start to trust them if we get Royce Newman off the field. And if he can start to get a little bit, bit more comfortable back there, hopefully he can start to become a little more efficient as a passer because right now Aaron Rodgers is is part of the problem as well. Rodgers' passing grade in his two MVP seasons against single high coverage was 94.2. Insanely elite, but this year it's just 74.2. And against two high safety looks in his MVP season, it was 84, but this year it's just 62.1, which is below average. Rodgers is not playing like himself whatsoever, and some combination of him and Matt LaFleur are struggling to put together a productive offense on the field. Obviously, during Aaron Rodgers' MVP seasons, he had Devontae Adams, but this is such a significant drop-off. Rodgers and Matt LaFleur also, it feels like, are not on the same page whatsoever based off their interviews. Rodgers says, hey, they need to simplify the offense, and Matt LaFleur returns by saying he doesn't even know what that means. That's a huge issue. Rodgers stated that this offense has been like this for years. We just used used to have Adams to fall back on, and now we don't. Right now, we are seeing how perfect our offense has to be if we are going to beat a too-high safety defense, and it has to be perfect, and we just we are nowhere close to perfect. Either it's Rodgers being just off on a throw, on a, on a slot fade route that Dobbs gets barely bumped on, and so it messes up the timing. It's an offensive line not picking up the stun. It's a one guy missing their block in the running game, a fumble, receivers unable to quickly create separation. All these things have to be perfect or this offense will stall because against these two high looks, you have to go five to seven yards per play over and over again all the way down the field. And that's tough to do. It really, really is. Having Devontae Adams was a huge part of raising this offense's floor. And if this offense is going to step up, we are going to need some sort of surge from one of our receivers. And we've seen games. All these guys, Aaron Jones has had a game. Robert Tunney just had his game with 10 catches. We've seen Randall Cobb have a game. We've seen Romeo Dobbs have a game. We've seen Alan Nazard have a game. But all of these guys have to start having these games at the same time, okay? Randall Cobb is out with an ankle injury now, but when he comes back, he has to play like he was prior to his injury. Alan Nazard, he's out there making plays when called upon, tough in traffic catches. He's still doing his blocking. He's doing what he has to do. I'd like to see it like what he saw from this last game, every game, okay? But 
we really are going to need to surge a play from some combination of Sammy Watkins, who should be healthy soon, Christian Watson when he returns from his hamstring injury, or Romeo Dobbs. And I think the most likely one is probably Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs is actually the 14th highest receiver in the NFL in yards of separation per route run at 3.6 yards, which is very high. He has consistently been able to create separation in his route running, which should lead to a higher ability for him to get more targets and be a bigger part of this offense. We saw on Sunday his ability to make great catches in traffic. Rodgers needs to keep feeding him the ball like we did against the Bucks earlier this season. So I, I think if this offense is going to step up, it's it's you got to see a guy like Romeo Dobbs seriously take off. The problem is, even though teams are playing a lot of two high safety looks, we still do need a deep threat, someone with speed to attack deep down the field. Obviously, we would have liked Christian Watson to be that guy, but he can't stay healthy. This is why I wanted Jameson Williams, because we knew he would be healthy come the midpoint of the season. But Watson is really the only guy who can do that on our roster. The Packers should consider going out and taking a look at a few notable receivers to help with that part of our offense. I would have said Deshaun Jackson, but he just signed with the Baltimore Ravens. I would, I think he could have been a deep threat for us. He could have been a punt returner if we needed him to. He could be our jet sweep guy in this offense where Cobb has been. Uh, he could step in and be our slot guy um, as well. I think he could, and I uh, would have done a very, very good job at that. But now he's not an option because the Baltimore stepped up and said, hey, we need to make a change. We need to take a chance. And they did. Also, I think Will Fuller could be a great option for the Packers. Fuller is capable of being a receiver to great deep threat, 10 years younger than uh, Sean Jackson, obvious preferred option. But no one knows what's happening with him. He has fallen off the face of the earth. There hasn't been any actual news report or social media or anything since like last year with him. It's crazy. So he's probably not an option. I don't know what he's doing with his life right now, but he was a very good receiver that had a few off the field issues. But um, if he is out there and he was just waiting to find a team that he could win with, he could have opportunity with and who would pay him a decent amount, the Packers should. Okay. The last realistic option is really only Odell Buckham Jr. He's coming off an ACL surgery. He seems to be recovering well. He still won't be ready to go for quite a few weeks yet. And still, we don't know how much of himself he will be. Okay, it's hard to come off an ACL surgery, okay? Last year in the playoffs, he was great, though. 85.7 overall PFF grade, which would be awesome to have. And he's definitely, though, worth taking a chance on because we need some resemblance of a number number one wide receiver. And he will be he is easily our best option. Overall, there's just so much to be fixed on this team. And we didn't even talk about the special teams errors that led to 10 points on Sunday, which turns the game around big time for the Packers. Then it's 17 to 10 with one drive left, and Aaron Rodgers is on the field with a chance to tie it up. Instead, Jordan Love is out there down two scores. A lot of this stems from personnel decisions. I understand Devontae Adams did not want to stay in Green Bay, but we should have traded up to draft Jameson Williams. The Vikings were willing to do so, not Christian Watson. We should have invested other top draft commodities in edge rushers like George Karloftis and Drake Jackson, or another receiver like George Pickens or Sky Moore, not use it on Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Quay Walker really didn't have very much production in college, and Devontae Wyatt was 24 years old when he was drafted. We should have saved money on not re-signing Preston Smith, instead traded him away at his peak, used that pick in our third round pick to trade up to get Travis Jones, an actual helpful 
young interior defensive lineman who can stop the run. We could use that extra money from not re-signing Preston Smith to go out and sign inside linebackers like Jalen Smith, like Quan Alexander. Yes, maybe they're not great in zone coverage. Joe Barry, you do not have to play zone coverage. Okay, you can also play man coverage. Okay, you can blitz these guys as well. But because Quay Walker also can't play zone coverage and he also is better in man coverage and better at blitzing. Okay, at least these two guys can stop the run then we would still have had extra money left over to have the money available to sign some receivers on the free agent market, take a chance on some guys like OBJ who will probably be wanting to pay decently even off an ACL injury. There's also some things though that can be fixed. Just how our coaching staff is using our personnel. Rasul is struggling in the slot. He needs to be outside. Jire has to take on the slot role because that is just what is best for this team. Keep using Savage closer to the line of scrimmage and man-to-man and as a blitzer. It's a great way to take advantage of his skill set and same with Quay Walker. Offensively, Yash Neisman, right tackle, Elkin Jenkins, right guard, Royce Newman out of the game. Then finally, offensively, can Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur truly get on the same page? A come-to-Jesus moment because right now they are not on the same page. Aaron Rodgers has a whole different outlook of what an offense should be compared to Matt LaFleur. Can then Aaron Rodgers trust his offensive line so he's playing completely comfortable back in the pocket? And then can Rodgers start getting Dobbs more opportunities because he's getting open a ton. Rodgers has to give him more targets. But even that might not be enough because we still are going to suck at stopping the run. Right now, the Packers are the worst in the NFL in stopping the run in two high safety looks, and Rodgers still will not have enough consistent options in the passing game to have an above-average offense. The Packers have to go out and take a chance on a guy like Will Fuller or Odell Beckham Jr. and get them in the, in the building. Maybe they pick up the phone, call the Steelers to trade for Chase Claypool, but really... Those are really the only options out there on the market right now. DJ Moore just signed that new contract with Carolina, so he's really hard to move. Same with Terry McLaurin, too, which makes them basically untradeable. All of those bad teams that are like in rebuilding mode just signed their receivers to long-term deals, so they can't really get out of them. But our offense has to start scoring points. It has to start doing it early on in games or teams will keep running on our defense, and we will never be able to come back when we are losing the season. Honestly, if we are losing by a touchdown in the second half the rest of the season, if I had money, I would bet on the fact that the Packers don't win that game the rest of the entire season. Not because Rodgers is a bad QB, but because our defense cannot stop the run no matter what they do, and Rodgers won't even have enough opportunities with the ball in his hands to win the game. All of these changes changes have to happen if the Packers are truly serious about even winning 10 games. And then... Being a team that could upset someone in the playoffs, these are the changes that need to be made. Because if they don't, this team may miss the playoffs altogether this season. So that's all we have today, folks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast, and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.